You might well be wondering, what are we doing this evening? Tasha's been your vicar for a long time now. And what is this unusual service that we're having to have now? In some ways, I'm delighted that we're doing this this evening because when we first licensed you as priest in charge, it was under COVID, and we did it virtually. And actually, you missed out, Tasha, on having this and this sort of gathering of people. So actually, it's really good that we we need to do this again because it gives us the opportunity to be here in person and to celebrate the beginning of a new chapter in Tasha's life and in the life of the parish. And, And it is a slightly unusual Church of England thing where you were priest in charge, but now that you are going to be vicar, I never know if it's vicar or rector, but if you're going to be vicar, we physically have to install you in situ. So Gary is here to do that and there's a a strange ceremony of taking you to the the door, placing your hand on the door, giving you the set of keys, ringing the bell to tell the whole of the, the village that you are here, you've arrived, and then installing you, putting you into your stall. And it's really symbolic. It's about the role that you have already begun but it's being being done with a slightly different title now in a different capacity. So it is significant and really special. And in many occasions we'd have done this when Tasha arrived, but for a variety of reasons, COVID and also the fact that there was a suspension, we are now unsuspended and we can celebrate together. So that's what this evening is about. So it's really good news. And it's good to be here. Gary and I were slightly late, horrendous traffic outside Winchester, so apologies for those who thought we might not be coming, we are here. Let's take a moment of quiet before we pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for the continuing witness of your church in this place, for all who have been raised up in times past to minister here, and for your servant Tasha, and I call by you to serve as vicar. Guide and strengthen all your faithful people that we may give ourselves in love and service to one another and to you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We have our reading. Our reading is taken from Psalm 127. And it's just the first sentence. So do listen carefully. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labour in vain. It's very deep words if you think about it. Make of it what you will. This is the end of the word, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labour in vain. Tasha said, are you happy just to speak on one sentence? But actually there's so much in this sentence. My husband and I, Paul, we live in Chandler's Ford and our next door neighbours are currently having a massive building project. It started nearly a year ago and um, it's a lovely bungalow which basically they've taken down and are rebuilding. There's very few walls, uh, uh, existing, you know, the um, original walls left. So it's a massive project. And it started in the winter before Christmas, uh, yeah, last year. And started with great gusto. Foundations were built. They had to watch the water and the mud. But we saw the foundations going down. We thought, this is great. Um, 
they then started putting up a little bit of block work. They were then beginning to do some work, which meant the family had to move out. And this is before Christmas, and they were thinking, great, it's on going great guns. We shouldn't be out for too long. Then everything stopped, as I'm sure often happens with a building project. Everything stopped for about a month or so. And then we had a knock on the door, and it was the new set of builders. And they said, oh, I don't know if you've heard, but the neighbours next door, they've had a terrible time. The, the existing building company that they were using were just really failing in what they were doing. They'd had building regs round, and what they'd done was wrong. So they had to sack those builders and were starting again. And they had to undo what had already been done to comply with building regs. It's now looking a whole lot better. They've got the roof on and they're all inside. But it's still going to be a long time before they're in. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labour in vain. Unless you get the plans right, unless you know what you're doing, you can think you're going on something and then everything can go wrong. Now, that's a very physical example of what this little sentence is saying. But as I was thinking about this and hearing the workman next door, I was thinking, actually, it's a very real example of how things can go so wrong when we are building something. When we have our ideas, we have our hopes, we have our dreams, we know what this is going to be. And yet, and yet, it doesn't always work like that. And this psalm starts with these words. It goes on to talk about other areas of life. That unless the Lord is in those areas of life, we don't find the fulfillment that we are searching and looking for. Psalms were largely written by David, but this one is dedicated to Solomon, and Solomon was the son of David. And it was Solomon who was given the task of building the temple. So I wonder if part of what David was writing here was to help Solomon realise that this is what's going to be coming for you. This is your task. And you need to be very close to the Lord in that task. And Solomon was. Morning prayer this morning, it was all about Solomon and the temple. And it's really clear as to what God was asking of him, very, very clear instructions through um, the book of Kings, as to exactly what the temple needed to look like, what materials to use, cedars from Lebanon, what kinds of craftsmen were required, the dimensions, the size, the rooms. God had the plan and Solomon followed it. And one of his greatest gifts to uh, the people of God was the building of the temple And the temple was of huge importance to God's people. Yes, as a place to worship, but primarily because that was where God dwelt. In leaving Egypt, God was with them through the wilderness, in the Ark of the Covenant, and they carried God's presence with them, and his spirit moved ahead as light and as cloud. But as they moved then into the promised land, where would they worship God? Where would they find God? At one point, the ark is stolen and they're they're left thinking, well, where is God? So the building of the temple was massively important because this is where God dwelt. God who couldn't be seen by humans. Moses had to cover his face. Only the high priest could enter into the holy of holy places once a year to encounter God because his radiance was so strong that they couldn't cope with it unless they had the protection over their face. The temple was where God dwelt. 
And so Solomon built as God asked. And the laborers did not labor in vain because they were following what God asked of them. But even though God was in that, even though the temple took on that significant role for them, we read later on about how the temple is destroyed. It's rebuilt. And we read about Jesus being in the temple and things not being quite right either. And for me, this gives me a bit of a challenge as to how do we know what God is saying? How do we build in a way that our efforts are not going to be in vain? Solomon's efforts were not in vain. But ultimately, God knew that things would change and that although it looked as if this was going to last forever, the temple wasn't going to last forever. But that didn't undermine what Solomon was doing. David thought he was going to build the temple. That's what he had planned to do. But he hadn't always obeyed God's word. And God said to him, David, it's not going to be you that builds it. It's going to be your son, Solomon, who builds it. So there's something about God's timing as well. God intended for a temple to be built. And it might have been David who built it. But actually it turned out that it was Solomon who built it. So there's something about discerning God, listening to what he is saying, being guided by him, but recognising that his timing is the right timing. And sometimes it doesn't fit what we think it's going to be for a whole load of reasons. And there's lots of reasons why it was that, that it wasn't for David and it became Solomon's task. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labour in vain. We've got to think about God's timing. We've got to think about how we listen to God and how we hear what he is saying. You're not building a temple. You have a beautiful place to worship. And there'll be tasks to keep this building looking good. But that's not why Tash has chosen this reading. This is about who God is calling you to be at this time, in this place, under her leadership. What is God asking of you? What is it that you are going to do and commit to that will see fruit because this is God's plan? This is what God wants of you. How do you assess your priorities? You'll be looking out and thinking of all the different things that you could be doing. But actually, what is God asking you to do? What has God already started? And he says, look, the flame's burning. I just need you to come and fan that flame because I've started the work already and your task is just to continue it. Are your eyes open to seeing where God is already at work and joining in with what he is doing? Where are your mission opportunities Where are you seeing him moving amongst people? Where are the needs? Where are the hurts? Where are the pains? This last weekend has been phenomenal in the life of our nation. I've been in lots of civic services. I've been around Winchester Cathedral, middle of the week, where people are flooding in because they want to be somewhere significant, somewhere spiritual. They're being drawn in. 
and I'd sensed God's presence in civic services that are formal and full of pomp and ceremony, but God's presence has been strong. And God spoke through Justin Welby in that funeral sermon to, I think, about four billion people around the world. And we have a moment where, particularly in our nation, people have found their way back home to church. They probably don't know why, what it is that's drawing them in. But as Christians, we know it's because they're homesick. That deep longing in their hearts can't be filled by anything else. And at times of crisis, at times of grieving, at times of loss, uncertainty, it's church that they've been drawn back to. There is an aching and a longing in our communities. So where is God asking you to work with him in what he is already doing? Unless the Lord builds the labor's labor in vain. How are you going to work with Tasha in knowing what to do? First and foremost, know your heart. What's the motive? If the motive is to, to join with Jesus in doing the work of the kingdom, you're in the right place to begin with. And in some ways, that's the most important thing. And if you go along one track and realise it's not the right track, it's okay. Gary and I had, not only was there traffic at Winchester, it was in a diversion in Brockenhurst because they're doing work on the, um, on the level crossing. So we had to take a diversion. It wasn't what we planned, but we got here. And we had to be flexible and adaptable because there's no point saying, this is the road, this is where we're meant to be going because we'd never have got through. And at times, God takes us on a little bit of a diversion and that's okay. Don't worry about going down a track and realising it's the wrong one. Sometimes we've got to retrace our steps and that's okay. But if your motive is to say we want to follow Jesus and do what he is asking of us, it will work out because he will be leading you. Know your heart and listen and keep on listening. Don't just think, right, God has told us this, right, off we go and we, don't, we stop listening to him. David thought he was going to build the temple, but he had to keep listening because that wasn't right for him. It was Solomon's task. So keep on listening. Once isn't enough. Keep on listening and keep on listening and keep on listening and checking in. How are we feeling about this? Are we seeing fruit? Do we sense God is in this? Keep on listening. Be willing to change direction when you have to. I know that things cease as well as begin. God knows who you are. He knows the resource that you have. And he knows what you want to do. But he doesn't want you to be burdened. He doesn't want this to mean that you're all absolutely exhausted and there's nothing left in life. He wants you to thrive as well as there's people in this community to thrive. If you all end up absolutely exhausted, you've got nothing to give the people of Milford Dunsey and Everton. So it's about working out priorities and, and, and submitting them to God and saying, we might have got this wrong, but we're going to trust you for it and allowing him to show you the way. You know all of this. This is why I was struggling to think what to say because I think you know all of this. You are people of deep prayer and I'm really grateful to you for that. 
But I think at this moment in time, and I've spent time with Tasha, I've spent time with the PCC, you've got some questions about priorities. What you say yes to, what you say no to. But know that God knows your hearts. He knows who you are. And he will provide what you need to do the work that he is asking of you. And trust him. Amen.